Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. And you know what I'm going to do is CISO Thursdays. I'm going to put the man of the hour <laughs> front and center. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. Today is CISO Thursdays, and we have awesomeness in the building. So let's start with James Azar, a.k.a. Mr. Paisley. Donate now. Donate, Donate now, now to the Wounded Warrior Project. This is going to be an awesome event. It's awesome. I'm wearing Paisley today, which is absolutely horrible. I hate it. I miss my black t-shirt. I really do. But I'm wearing this for all of y'all. Thank you, Naomi, for your contribution. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Chris. And the many, many other people who have donated. But you can uh, go to... Uh, um, uh, what's it? Why am I having a brain fart already? Uh, I have... by, look up the Sisal Talk Paisley shirt challenge and donate, and you get to see me with this shirt on for another episode of Sisal Talk. Another episode of Sisal Thursdays. We'll post the link um, in the I'll comments. Post the link soon. Right now, yeah, I'll post the there link. There you go. Just yep. We will post. We will post the link. Okay, we will continue on. Naomi, <laughs> it was so good. It was so juicy that we had to put it right front and center. That shirt, it just gives me life. <laughs> Everything about it is perfect. It's so James. It's so James. Uh, Naomi Buckwalter. Hey, everyone. Hoping you break into cybersecurity. Uh, I love this community. Let's make it bigger and better and stronger. Let's work together. Awesome. Naomi specializes in, in creating um, very engaged um post <laughs> on linkedin she's the spark she we'll likes the that. match and she drops it on linkedin and steps away <laughs> yeah chris folong howdy everyone um security consultant career coach and update for um 221 and 2021 so far Thank you, Mr. James, for updating um, the information. Finally, it, it took a while, but we're at about 350 resumes submitted, 150 reviewed, and um, just under 15 people hired. Uh, so let's keep this going. For those that are following, I, as much as I can, I hashtag uh, 221 and 2021 open positions when I see them while I'm doom scrolling. Uh, so go ahead and follow that hashtag <laughs> that is awesome thank you for that update it's so 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 exciting to hear so 15 people hired yes 15 just under hired. 15 people yeah well, 15 like plus all their family members all the people that are affected positively by the fact oh, that yeah. they now have great careers in cybersecurity. i love it no it's amazing it's amazing and and um i'm just super excited for it that's, that's right. a great update chris mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your update, James. I'm, I'm glad. Um, I just want to let you know that um, I updated the, the, the drive so you can no longer call me anything anymore. The sheet has been updated. <laughs> the fun continues on Cecil I'm Thursday. also wearing yellow in my shirt. Anyone want to know why? Hong Kong, yeah. free Hong Kong. Free Hong Kong, hashtag yes. it. Hashtag. <laughs> I was like, we have the yellow, we have the yellow. Okay, so people are shouting you out, sir. I'm going to put you on display as much as possible today. 
Sean says, hey, Sean McGinn. Uh, and he says, yes, very lovely, James. Jen says, looks good. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Chris is back. That's also Sean. And Mark says, Chris always has that look like he plays a mean saxophone in the tinted glasses. Yeah, you know, he's like the undercover man. So our topic for today, okay, I'll take you off display, James. (laughs) Our topic for today (laughs) is around the documentary Coded Bias. And we thought it was a good topic to start off with or to kick off with. Um, who wants to talk about it first, Chris or James? Chris? Well, I'll say I posted it over the weekend because I had the pleasure of watching um, the show. The premise behind it is that the algorithms that run our society are created by humans. And because they're created by humans, they have inherent biases in them. Um, Whether or not we recognize these biases they are all over the place. These algorithms present themselves in machine learning, um, quote unquote, artificial intelligence, um, even used in the hiring process, decisions for credit, and so many other places. Uh, Because of that, we need to be aware of these inherent biases that are in there. Um, For this crowd, it was particularly noteful in uh, the segment that was done that included the applicant tracking system, as well as um, some of the, the other aspects of it. So if you're coming into this field, you want to help secure things, you need to know how these algorithms make decisions so that you can understand the outputs. And uh, so that, that's my premise of it. James, what did you want to tag on to that? So I'll support what you were saying in terms of what what coded bias really spoke about. I think the one thing that relates to what we want to talk about today isn't necessarily the whole show, but the last about 10 minutes of the, of, of the documentary talked a lot about application tracking systems. And it talked about the bias within ATS systems, um, especially when it, when it came to the Amazon example that they gave, which to me was just mind boggling. So the Amazon example, for those that haven't seen it, spoiler alert, just letting you guys know, here comes a spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. So in there, they show that for the ATS system, because of the data sets that it had, was declining every woman for an engineering or technology role. And it was because of, it was because of essentially um, This was brought to Amazon's attention and they ended up fixing it. So I just want to preface that so that, you know, Amazon doesn't come and say, hey, James, you know, we're going to crush you. Um, But at the same time, that's Amazon. How many companies run just a standard ATS system that's based off of data sets? So it's automatically saying this job is 85% male, 15% female. So it's automatically rejecting 85% females. So this kind of led us to why we want to have this discussion today. Because if you guys remember last week, Naomi had like a really loaded show. Like Naomi came straight up like with, you know, pistols loaded, ready to shoot. It was, uh, it was, it was, you know, I shot the sheriff, the deputy (laughs) and everyone in the way. Um, But it's, it's this whole concept of gatekeeping old guard versus new guard. 
right? And it's people who blindly trust technology without questioning it. And so, and then when you question it, you're being called, you don't trust the system. Well, we can't trust a system that's made by man because we can't trust man to begin with. So if the system is being used by data, by, by false data sets or data sets that show a different point period period of time, then what does that mean when when people come and, you know, Naomi's had a few posts about this where people say, you're just being really outrageous. Ah, is she though? Or is she just really trying to bring the attention to the fact that, in, that everyone is so reliant on technology today that we're forgetting the human element that that's about opening doors and helping one another. And I'll shut up now and let my shirt do all the talking. <laughs> Please go donate. (laughs) It's so loud. It's so loud. Please donate. It's a wonderful cause. Wonderful cause. You have Uh, to donate. (laughs) Yeah. Coded Bias on Netflix. Great show. Uh, I didn't watch the whole thing, but the the first half hour, so I would say really drew me in. Um, There is inherent biases in everything that we build. So AI is not the future. Uh, You know, the, the beautiful utopia that we think it is because it is coded within it all of the different human errors that we've evolved into. So like, it's not the evolution of humanity, it's just in a continuation of it. So if we continue on the way that we judge and exclude and, and, and put each other down, that will show up in our technology. And so we wanna be really careful and start thinking critically about what we are giving to these companies and to the machines that are making these decisions for us uh, in terms of life-changing things like uh, getting a mortgage, uh, getting into uh, uh, getting onto an airplane, like like little things like that really does affect your personal freedoms. And you really want to start thinking critically about information and technology and how it all intersects with your personal life. I didn't watch it either yet. Um, and I was just thinking as we were prepping for this today that when you think about AI as a whole and how it's just so many, technology pretty much is infused in all of our lives day to day, as all of you have already said. And I remember reading an article, um, and I just pulled it up around the lack of diversity and how much we talk about diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of people, you know, just having this broad base of diversity. And I remember this article that that popped up was around um, flushing the, the automatic toilet flushers. And I know this is completely <laughs> random because we talk about ATS systems, but we were t- they were the woman was saying that she had done this research and she was trying to figure out why when she waved her hand across it, it would never, you know, work. And it came back to the algorithms behind the various hands that were moved across this technology to be able to flush and because she's African and her hand, you know, the way her hand um, moved across, it was like this whole big article around. No, it. her hand moves across like everyone else's hand. The only difference is the pigmentation of her skin. The pigmentation. That's what I meant. Um, and so it just went to show like how this impacts little teeny things like that. And then big, huge things like people's livelihoods and an additional component um, not necessarily, again, with the ATS system that I was talking about a little bit earlier, is that you have this layer of right now, there's a, um, 
there has been determined that the way job descriptions are written attract different types, females versus males. So if you say, oh, I'm looking for a rock star or whatever, you know, verbiage, you're going to have more male applicants in those um, job descriptions. So it's like this double, almost like a double negative, because if the job descriptions are written incorrectly or written, you know, with a bias that people may not necessarily realize, like they might think rock star means everyone, you know, great people, awesome. Um, but women aren't applying because that's not appealing to them. Right. And it's think making women think like, oh, what kind of culture is this? And they may want to opt out. So that's one layer of, you know, of, of a situation where you're putting up a barrier, not necessarily knowing that you're doing so. And then you have the layer of an ATS, which is potentially, I mean, to, to James's point, Amazon fixed it. I don't think they did that on purpose, but the result was that all of these women were being disqualified. So it's just like this double, um, this double negative situation, um, especially when it comes to applicant tracking systems and job descriptions and hiring and all of that. Um, and it just goes to show why we need more diversity as a whole in technology as a whole. Here's yeah. a question, though. Whenever we talk about diversity and you ask the room that you're in, you're like, do you believe in diversity? Right. Who's going to not raise their hand? Everyone's going to say, yes, I believe in diversity. Right. And then the follow up question really should be diverse from what? Right. So it's like, yes, I believe in diversity, but what what diverse from what? And like we need to have that conversation and really come down to what's holding us back. So, so l- let me let me talk a little bit about that because what you bring up is a really good point, Naomi, which is the idea of 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 why a post from several weeks ago and the subsequent post that you've done since. And some of the stuff that you've shared with us privately that we're not going to discuss publicly here, some of the, the the messages that you got in that time period from some of the stuff that you've spoken about, that's been really below um, um, any, any sort of, you know, ethical compass for, for, for some people, some of the stuff that you've seen over, over this period of time, it's, it's, it's disgusting. So I want, I want to point out to the, to the following, when we talk about diversity, diversity has now become a word that has been infused into politics and it shouldn't be. And I think that's what a lot of people have to understand. When we talk about breaking into cybersecurity, when we talk about diversity, we're not talking about Democrat or Republican. We're not talking about conservative or liberal. We're talking about a system that's been predominantly managed in a specific way. And now because this country's great, now go with me here. Some people may not want to go with me, but I have I have something to make here. So just just flow because you know someone's going to be like cancel James. All right, but in just a second I'll tell you why. This country's so great. You cannot be canceled from CISO Thursdays. So this country's so great that over a period of sixty years, over the periods of the last sixty years, the middle class and the people who were the most impacted by the previous system, the Jim Crow system, the African American system, the system against minorities, whether it be, you know, people always say, why are Jews always in accounting and lawyer and law firms? Why are they all lawyers and, and accountants? And I go, well, that's really simple because racism at the time didn't want to give Jews the opportunity to work in steel 
or in construction or in the very lucrative role. So they said, let them be accountants and lawyers. No one here wants to do it. That was the Irish Italian thing. Lo and behold, today, everything is a Greenberg Weinstein in your face. Assholes came back to bite you in the tail. Right. So but but we don't we don't like we have to look at that and understand and look at the uh, Jewish minority in this nation. It's really very, very wealthy. And you look at the Asian population in this nation and it's very educated and wealthy. Now you look at the African-American and Latino populations that are coming up. Right. And over 60 years, the African-American household income is the, the African-Americans in the U.S. make more money on average per household than in anywhere else in the world for Africans. So that's significant. And those milestones are being done. Is it at the pace we'd like it to be? Absolutely not. Right. And that's why there's a bigger push now to increase the pace. But a lot of people take this conversation political. And what I'm trying to point out to the fact is it shouldn't be. It should be the right thing to do. Right. The right thing to do is to identify that there's an increasing amount of growth within a minority system that's really driven and it's changing the data sets every single week. And when you're using a data set from 2005 or 2010, you're using bad data sets. And so you're not going towards progress. You're just relying on old science. And that's bad. And then to add to that, there's a human element. Um, so you have the, the ATS systems, you have the job descriptions. Now you have the interview process. Who in the interview process has been really trained to identify their own biases, to come to Jesus that they have their own biases, that they have their preferences, and that those don't come out in the interview process, that you talk to your colleagues about your biases and why you have these preferences and actively try to take them out of the decision-making process. I know when I've worked for several consulting companies, they have bias training because A, they have operations all around the world. Different cultures around the world have different views for time, for decision-making, for different aspects of various cultures. So these consultants need to be trained on it so that A, they can recognize it and B, they can think about it. So now you have to look at all these biases that you might have against someone and ensure that you don't have those in the in, in your decision-making process because you're naturally always wanting to choose someone that's just like you. And the problem is that's how we got here. So we need to actively think about people that are not just like us, find people that have complementary skills or find people that have strengths in the areas that we have weaknesses so that together we build a stronger team and not just everyone that looks, thinks, and behaves the same way. What would you say to the people who say that that's lowering the bar to, to have other people who don't look like us and don't think like us lowering ooh, ooh, the bar? Ooh, oh, ooh. Renee, yes. Yes. Woohoo. So. Naomi that... has become the interviewer of the show today. <laughs> <laughs> I, every time someone says that, I cringe. And the, the reason why is because the bar is never lowered. You know, like I, because I've been doing recruiting for so many years, in so many various companies, seeing the processes, seeing what Chris uh, Fulon just talked about with, you know, in HR, we get those trainings. 
You have to be trained on how to interview. You have to be trained on conducting interview, uh, conducting interviews. You're specifically trained on inherent bias, all the different biases. I don't know if people remember or if you've ever seen this. There's usually a um, a mountain or an iceberg. That iceberg uh, picture that's around that you right, see like ten percent above the surface, ninety percent below. Ninety percent below, exactly. So 90% is below the surface. So you see, you know, the tip of the iceberg is, you know, race, um, sex, you know, maybe sexual orientation, maybe a couple of different things. And then below the iceberg, there's so many different things. Um, And so when you have, what's fascinating to me is like, typically, again, the companies that I've worked in, larger organizations, um, most of the time, um, you're going through a process and you're picking the most qualified candidates. You don't show up, especially, especially females and people of color are not skipping over all of these other qualified people. It doesn't work that way. Most of the time, they are the most qualified. And so when they're in the pipeline, it's like, we can't not hire this person, even though we like your cousin and your brother and blah, 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 blah. Because as we all know, you know, there is nepotism in hiring. It just is what it is. It's life, you know, all of that. So it's fat. It, it cracks me up every time somebody says that because I wish they had a glimpse into seeing thousands of people go through interviews, thousands of people get hired and see that, you know, you're audited, you could pull a file at any moment in time. I've been on the other side of this where they're pulling files like, hey, is this the way you interview everyone? Is this, you know, somebody makes a complaint. You have to be able to justify what you did potentially in court. So, you know, when people make that claim, they're just blowing up, you know, they're just doing what they did, Naomi, with some of your comments, some of the stuff that we've seen. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> this is not about getting the less qualified person. And my experience doesn't happen. Well, so, not, I won't so, say it doesn't happen. I won't say it doesn't. I never know. I won't say it doesn't. In my experience, it's very slim. So Chris brought up the job interview aspect of it, right? And that's why I think the traditional job interview system that we have in place today is broken. Because we're trying to qualify someone based on, you know, their their CV. I mean, should have done a job interview where someone looked at my CV and goes, tell me about this role. Tell me about this. Role. I'm like, dude, it's written. That's why I did this damn document. It's right there in front of you. Read it. Black on white. You killed the tree. You printed this thing out. You're looking at it. You don't need me to explain to you what I did. That's why I do my interviews completely different and I've shared it before on the show, but I want to grab a cup of coffee with someone, right? Because that's how, how do we see each other as equals? What's the best way to, to, when you meet someone, right, and you want to get together, you don't say, hey, let's meet at a park and sit on a bench, unless you're like really weird, right? Because that's kind of like a weird first meeting. But what do you typically tell someone? Let's meet at a coffee shop for coffee. Let's meet for lunch. Let's meet for brunch. Let's go break bread and get to know each other, right? There's a thing about breaking bread and getting to know each other. Job interviews should be the same exact thing. I don't need like your technical qualifications my my system, my hiring process, we're going to test you technically if it's an engineering role or an architect role. You're going to have to go through some sort of technical assessment. I don't care about your techniques. I care about you as a person. I want to know what contribution are you going to bring to my team? And the only way to do that is to sit with someone and break bread. And unfortunately, um, you know, most people still do the standard interview process where they go, 
hey, let's talk about, you know, what you're doing and this role or it's it's to me, that's why this is so broken and why gatekeeping sucks. For me, like with regards to when you can't have that coffee with them, when you can't have that lunch with them, you ask for stories because stories have traditionally been the way that we share things in society. So tell me a story of when you tackled something challenging, when you achieved something. Um, James, come on. Uh, tell me a story. So, um, yeah, what Chris is talking about is the um, interviewing process. So yeah. behavioral interviews, um, it's called... star. Um, What's it called? Star. Situational star. interviews. The response is a star response, meaning situation, task, activity, and result, where you're asking someone to provide, not necessarily, hopefully all interviewers are not doing, it. all questions should be open-ended. There should be no question where an interviewer can say yes or no. <laughs> like, unless it's, are you eligible to work in the United States? <laughs> you know, like, other than that, it shouldn't be like, yes, no questions. You, you should um, be able to answer that. Be like, um, I will be effective. <laughs> Exactly. So that's the one, one component. But what Chris is talking about, those situational interviews um, open ended where you're really understanding people's behaviors and it and it, and it goes to what pri- typically prior um, uh, prior experience equals future um, or, or prior situational awareness would hopefully help with future situational awareness. And so if a person did a scenario or had a scenario where they were able to coach, they were coaching a basketball team or a baseball team, and they were able to take that story and share how that story relates to, you know, what they did in the situation, how they were able to overcome like maybe conflict or various things that that would translate over into their current um, position or the position they're interviewing for. That and it also gives you insight into that candidate's um, way of thinking, their approach to things, how they communicate, because oftentimes it's less about their technical experience and about how they could communicate. Because you could have someone that's super technical, and if they're just going to piss off the business because they talk in such a horrible manner, you're, they're, either they're not going to last long or someone's going to get them fired for because they just piss off the business. So mm-hmm. um, we, we need people that can communicate that, that soft skills of having relationships with the business, understanding business needs, doing that analysis, and then communicating in an effective manner. That is such an under, under-expressed desired skill but it is the most critical and impactful skill that you can ever have. Yeah. And we learned that earlier this week when we were, um, we interviewed the head of SAP's, I think they call it now human experience management. It used to be a success, success factors, um, amazing woman leader. And when we asked her about the skills that she looks for when she's looking to promote someone into leadership, cause she has over a hundred and, almost 200 people under her. What do you look for? And she, it was all soft skills. It was all, it was communication. It was promote, you know, being able to promote yourself, being able to speak up for yourself. Like so many, everything she's, there was nothing technical in what she described is what she looks for. 
because I'm, I'm assuming it's assumed by the time you get to that point, you're technically sound like you already know what you're doing. Now it's, you know, how are you, how do you, um, how are you going to support the business? Because at the end of the day, it's all about the business, right? A couple of comments here. Johnny says, podcasts that continue conversations like this will make positive changes in the hiring process. Thank you, Johnny. Jen says she totally agrees with James. So James, when he was going off. <laughs> Fan club. We all wear Paisley shirts. <laughs> Maybe we could do something where we, we all should. are in Paisley. Or just like a Paisley shirt with James's face on it. Like, yeah. That, that, like would a, be the, that would be the scariest shirt on planet Earth. With a, <laughs> with a logo. A James I, I, just, I just want you to know I've ordered t-shirts that says um, my intern starts Tuesday with a no. <laughs> no way. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> She's doing so well. I mean, tell this late this lady, opera singer, professional opera singer, no tech background, no cyber background, but she is sharp. She's asking all the right questions. She is diving straight into investigating everything. She's memorizing the MITRE attack framework at this moment. Like she is like that's the thing. You just take someone with like the the drive and the hunger and like the passion, the ability to learn. And the ability to like communicate and, and be nice and have people skills. Like she's a people person. I want to work with people like that. I can work with that. I can't work with people who talk down to the business or, t- or call people like they're idiots. I literally had someone message me and blame all our cybersecurity problems on the idiot business people. They just won't listen to us. They just won't listen to us. That it's not awesome. our fault. We're great at our jobs. <laughs> I, I shared that message with you guys. Yeah, that comment yeah. was so can, ridiculous. Can, can can we can we do the following? Here here's one quick thing. Can we stop making security more complex than what it really is? We're not all James Bond. Okay, let's start off with there. All the people that get into cyber because they go, um, Jason Bourne, James Bond, Hawk from Scandal, and whoever else. And that's what I'm doing. And it's super secret, man. Don't mess with me. This job is serious, man. My job is serious. I'm an assistant manager. It's serious, right? Like cut it out. Cybersecurity is technology like all things. None of us are born with the skill to be cybersecurity professionals or technologists or CEOs. We go to school. We develop those skills. We invest in ourselves. Come on, guys. Like open doors. Stop complicating complications to stuff that shouldn't be there. Just let it be, you know, look, if you can learn a skill in YouTube off of a YouTube video. It's not that hard. It's, it's not. not that hard. If you want things, hard. It's not. And if it is too hard to learn, maybe that's on us to make it easier to understand. Yeah. yeah. So before, before this podcast, I was on a coffee tasting um sales marketing session and the person that was leading it yes the person that was leading it started out as um a barista they figured out how different types of coffee (laughs) anyway they figured out like they 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 went in they figured out the equipment for roasting coffee for making coffee learning about the history of coffee and now like they lead like 17 different companies that both integrate coffee and other things. But it's the same way you get into tech. You, you, you research, you figure it out, you hack your way in, you learn about different things along the way, and that's how you expand. Like there, there's not just one way in. 
um, I, I created a poll this morning, like what's holding you back from getting to your next level? And of course, one of the first responses was, have you tried a help desk role? Yes, maybe 20 years ago, coming in via the help desk was the only way in. But today, there's people that come in understanding the cloud. There's people that come in understanding bug bounties. There's people that come in understanding sales and marketing and awareness. There's so many different ways to come in. You don't all have to go through the help desk. I mean, I said it to one of some one of these posts last week. I think it was yours, Chris, that um, if we keep waiting on five and 10 years experience and help desk to sysadmin to this, to that, and all this other foolishness that I hear people saying, um, you know, 15 years from now, we'll be still looking for, we'll have a 10 million or 20 million person cybersecurity skills gap, skills gap, I say it like that with air quotes, um, because all of that is ridiculous. And No, no, you won't. You'll have bad AI replacing <laughs> security people <laughs> right. that's blocking out every Russian from logging into your system <laughs> because, you know, inherently Russians are bad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what we'll have. You know, it's just so ridiculous. And for people saying, you know, it's, it's it, part of me just gets, I don't, I don't know, the annoyance part. Two years ago, Chris, when Chris and I started this, you know, it's funny because I look at Naomi and I'm like, this is exactly where <laughs> was when we started breaking into cybersecurity. We were like, this is craziness. Why are people giving such a bad advice? And we realized, you know, some of it I don't think is all intentional. Some of it I think is. Um but I don't think it's all intentional. I think people were giving their own perspective. You know, they were like, okay, 20 years ago when I started, it was the help desk and this and this and this and this and this. And that's all well and good, but we don't all need to start like that. All of us have come in through different other areas. It just doesn't make any sense. And it's just bad advice, quite frankly. So Dutch is comments, some fun comments here. Dutch says, A Azar AI, patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> His website's all Paisley. It's My all, website will. It's Paisley. Dutch <laughs> <laughs> says everyone should have to wear different patterns. So the Paisley shirts will be polka all dots. Coming. Dutch, what? Paisley for James, <laughs> polka dots for Naomi, stripes. Why did I get I polka stars. dots? <laughs> stars. I think I have more style than polka dots. I feel like I'm I think a little polka bit. polka dots is pretty stylish. No, what? No, they're not. They're different. They're... Not flattering at all. So, <laughs> you know, I think polka dots are really, you know, very cute. And, and, and I like polka dots. I, you know, maybe the next fundraiser will be I'll wear polka dots shirts with Naomi. There you go. It's not the same though. It's not it, the Paisley. Paisley just, is the yeah, Paisley it just takes it. So, so I'm doing I'm doing a CISO Talk podcast uh, in a few hours for this week's CISO Talk, and I've got another Paisley for that for for that show as well. Um, and 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 it'll be one of my most viewed episodes. I know it because of the person I'm speaking with, but I'm just like, oh god. People are forever going to be like, that's the guy that wore the Paisley shirt. <laughs> that says that's the whole point, Naomi. It has oh, to be an awful Oh, thanks, Dutch. Pattern. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, so, so Ashley says, hmm. one sec, Chris, this is so true. I got into cybersecurity as a military spouse and a stay-at-home mom. I've fully immersed myself in the field and got involved in the community. So, again, you know, people in other countries are training five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds to be little mini cyber 
you know, people by the time they're 18 and you're telling us that we can't bring in droves of people into the industry, it just makes absolutely no sense at all. Like the some of the comments, it's so funny because some of those comments are just nonsensical. I was like, what are they even saying? Like they don't even have, they don't, <laughs> it's, this is how you can tell that none of this makes any sense. None of it, you know? How do I start an internship program? Okay, internship programs have been going on for what? Ever. Ever. You know, there's a tool. It's called, I believe, Googly. Right. Google. 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 The internet. Google. Let me Google that for you. Society of HR management. I mean, like toolboxes. It's. You know, if you don't know how to use the internet, there's still buildings in your city. They're called libraries. libraries. (laughs) These libraries have books. These books have words. These words give you knowledge. So unbelievable. Back to back to what we were saying earlier with bad advice. I think the problem with a lot of people giving advice is they give advice before understanding the whole story. Like you won't want to go to your doctor and you say, your doctor, I have a boo-boo. And he goes, let me write a script for that. Are you going to trust that script? Yeah, like, absolutely. That's like, if it's fentanyl, you bet your sweet ass I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting Chris finish a sentence. <laughs> We're blocking out Chris. The day that Chris is not used to being with us for hour. Hour, he's trying Chris. to be. He's trying to be serious. Oh, Chris! I, I, I'll just leave. <laughs> yeah, no, stay. I'm muted. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean that that's that's essentially the problem is that you have people hashing out advice without fully understanding the true story, like. If you don't understand someone's experience, if you don't understand what they want to do, telling them to go and do the security plus cert and you don't know what they want to do, like, while that could be helpful, I don't think that's always the best advice. That's like telling someone who wants to get more vitamin D, like the only way to do it is to pop a pill. There's other ways to get vitamin D. Yeah, go outside. (laughs) Yeah. No, people tend to, you know, they, it's a, it's a me, they look at themselves, like everything is mirrored, right? So I think, and I hope that most people are just trying to be helpful. It's, you know, a little bit miss, miss, um, I don't want to say misguided. It's just outdated because they tend to tell you what they did. So that's what I had learned after interviewing a ton of folks. They were like, oh, I did this, this, and this. This is how I got in. But it's 20 years ago. So, so much has changed. There's so many things that have been upgraded. When you got in, there was no, and I'm not saying that cyber degrees are the end all be all, but, you know, there was no curriculum. There was no this. There were just people volunteering you or you volunteered yourself to say, okay, we have to go work on this thing because, People are, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing this, um, we need to deal with the security issue. And okay, I happen to be the person that is a sysadmin and I'm seeing this data or what have you. It's like, okay, then you got moved over into it, which also fascinates me because they also, most of these people giving advice came from something else. So it's bizarre. It's like, so wait a minute, you came from something else. Okay, it took you 15 years, fine, or 15 years ago when you started it. You came, you came in and you grew around or whatever and got to where you are in 15. Now we can shorten that timeline. These people are still coming in from something else and you're telling them that they, they need 
what are you saying? It doesn't take 15 years to learn everything. (laughs) That's the thing. Like we have, we have resources, we have mentors now, we have programs, frameworks, protocols, tools, technologies, vendor products, you know, we have all these things and it doesn't take 15 years to grab, to get the same amount of experience. It just doesn't. People are smart. They'll figure it out. Just give them a chance. Like that's all it takes. You're going to be surprised at how much smarter people are. Like you think they're actually kind of dumb. Like sometimes I assume they don't know something and then they just blow my mind with the, the information and the pattern matching and they can put two and two together. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. God damn it. You're like a lot smarter than me. That like, damn it. Like get all upset. But then you put the ego out and you realize we're all on the same team. And if we give these people a chance and you train them, mentor them, show them what good information security practice looks like, they're able to grow in the spirit of what you want to teach them. Like we're trying to make disciples here. Like that's the whole thing. Back to the religious thing. Sorry about that. By the way, Jesus is Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> teach them how to fish, right? We should be trying. I mean, that's what's so much fun about bringing new people in. Like you get to put your stamp on them versus bringing someone in that has like all of these different expectations and they've been in other organizations or whatever. It was always fun for me to bring in like the brand new people. Oh, let me show you what recruiting. Let me explain from my perspective what I've seen, how this works, what's been successful, all that kind of stuff. So it's bizarre to me that of some of the some of the claims that these people are making and some of the places that these people have come out of making some of these claims it's like what are you talking about bad habits so so you just just on that one piece though when you're talking about advice in general right most people are great at giving advice horrible at following through with it and you know, I've spoken to a lot of people who mentor in cyber and, you know, 15 years experience, 10 years. I've seen job roles where it's a it's a it's a tier two analyst and, you know, in a sock and they're like seven years minimum experience. And you're like, dude, seriously, like, please hire a college graduate for this role. Right. Uh, or, or someone that's been in, 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 in some some other role. The, the thing about this that's it's these standards that people create these arbitrary that have no purpose to it is is just stuff that gets pulled out of someone's rear end in the middle of like a like um in a thinking session right they're sitting there and they're doing their thinking and they go 10 years that's what we need 10 years why i don't know 10 years i'm smart i know I'm the boss. Don't question me. <laughs> That's what I said. Don't argue anymore. Everyone, go <laughs> 10 years. Let's do this. They don't right? know what they're talking about. They don't. They don't. It, but they, they want to they they think they're smart and they want to think they're relevant and important. And they're like, oh, it takes 10 years to learn what I learned. Hmm. Does it really? Well, or maybe you're just Because you learn the hard way. Because well, <laughs> you learn the hard way. Here's the thing, though. So you look at different entrepreneurs, right? And you see all these different success stories. I have a reason why I don't like a lot of motivational speakers, right? I don't like a lot of motivational speakers because they all kind of sell this illusionary fantasies. And then they give you these examples, you know, uh, Robin, George Clooney didn't become famous until he's in his forties and now he's in his sixties. And you're like, shit, seriously, you know, like, or this person lived in his car and then he got out of it. And, this and then all these different motivational speaks, and I'm like, leave all of that alone for a second. Let's talk about the human aspect of it. None of us are going to a Tony Robbins, you know, seminar right now. We're trying to get real life experience, and that comes by opening doors and not lowering standards, but giving people a chance. What's the worst that's going to happen if you hire someone who doesn't work out? 
Nothing. You just fire them. Like unless even these quote winds. unquote. Unless you're solar winds. <laughs> Except for these quote unquote, you know, these ten year experience people. It's they act like they they don't fire those people too. I mean, it's just asinine. Nothing that any I haven't seen or heard of any claim that's opposed to this that makes any common sense at all. Period. No, you don't give your keys to your Jaguar to your 16-year-old that's learning how to drive with a permit. No. No, you don't, you know, you don't do those things. Like, I'm not taking a brand new cyber a brand new cybersecurity junior recruiter and putting them on the phone with James Azar, the CISO. No, <laughs> like it doesn't work that way. So why in God's name would they think that all of these wonderful, amazing security leaders? All of you all are so smart and I'm not being facetious. Like all of you are super smart people. Why in, why in God's name would anyone think that Naomi would give the keys to the castle right. to an intern? It's dumb. Yes, they I don't even have solar winds. Listen. I wonder if RSA is going <laughs> to open the floor so we can ask the dumbass, hey, who gave the intern the ability to set a password and not monitor it? That's why we know it's BS. Like it's, we're like, yeah. uh, wow, okay. Wow, whoa, 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 whoa. I've actually worked in companies where they give the, the entry level person the keys to the kingdom and it's because they don't know better. Hmm. And the, the problem, you, you look at these big organizations and you expect that they have this level of maturity. The problem is they don't always have that level of maturity. The bigger companies, as a consultant, I've been in some big companies. I've seen them do some stupid stuff simply because that's the way it's been done. It's more efficient to do it that way. We can't break our other processes because we can't put in security here. Like there's all these excuses for efficiency, for whatever, to really put in common sense security in some of these places. So you end up with a million and one people with admin access to their desktop and they wonder why ransomware is just spreading across the environment. Separation of duties, <laughs> principle right, of at uh, least access. Come on, folks. It's easy. <laughs> it's not hard. Yeah, and well, people want to make it complex, and that's part of the problem. You want to know why our adversaries are so much more successful than the defenders? They make work simple. Have you ever bought anything from the dark web? <laughs> Have any of you yeah. ever went to your ransomware as a service? Yeah. Or 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 reverse engineering and sat with them and as they were buying tools off the dark web that could threaten your system. So you see how it operates. Like if you haven't done that, it's, they make life so easy. No wonder everyone gets hit with ransomware, right? No wonder because they've under, they are adversaries understand one thing that practitioners refuse to take through into their thick skulls, not all practitioners, but some, okay. I know Dutch is in one of them and Naomi is in one of them. I won't say names because I don't want to dox anyone, right? But you guys can add two and two and get to four, whatever that four is for you, all right? Here's, here's the thing. If we made security simple, if instead of going to the board and using FUD, instead of talking to the business in FUD terms or in, no, I can't do this, and your first response out of your mouth is so critical to the rest of the conversation. Ever speak to someone, ask them a question, and if the first thing they say is no, what happens to your attitude right away? You're defeated. Your shoulders go in. You go, fine. All right. Now I'm going to hear a lame-ass excuse as to why you can't do something. Sorry for using bad language. This is an R-rated show. If you can't handle it. All right. 
So here's the deal though. So take it, take it for what it is. Simplify it for the business. Simplify it for the people. We talk about cyber awareness, right? And people say, users, users, humans, you know, I can't be blamed. I think Naomi said something where someone said like, it's not my fault that users are dumb and click links. And I'm like, you might be the dumbest person in this conversation at this point, not the people who click the link. People are doing their job, right? They see an email from the CEO, from the CFO, from someone with name brand recognition within the organization. They're going to open it. They're going and to. They act like it's never happened to them. It happens to the best of us. Like, please. I get so irritated with this stuff. Okay, so now. Troy, Troy Hunt has admitted that he's clicked on phishing. Everyone emails. has clicked on phishing. You catch someone in the right frame of mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the right time, they'll click on that Amazon link because you're ready to run off to that conference and they ordered something from Amazon that they were going to take to that conference. They want to know what's happening with their order. They'll click on it. Yeah. It, it. It's it's psychology, and if you use that psychology while working with your users, you can have better results. Cybersecurity is about people. It always has been. Really? Yeah, but that's what we're making it really yes. difficult for people. We're making it really difficult as practitioners. Mm-hmm. Simple. So here's here's a cool challenge that maybe we should look at. Let's do the four of us here. All right, maybe Dutch. I'll I'll bring Dutch in on this one. Okay, so Dutch, you're listening. I hope you're still on. Here, here's here's a cool idea. Let's write, let's take something very complex in cyber and simplify it and post it on LinkedIn and tag each other and say, we're simplifying cyber. I love it. And let's simplify cyber. I, I hate the word demystify. Demystify is like going in my buzzword graveyard because every event says <laughs> we're demystifying cloud. We're demystifying AI. Well, I demystified cyber last October. It was awesome. Okay, so, (laughs) and I'll pat myself on the back for that. (laughs) So Dutch says, agree, Chris, regarding advice. Also, it's likely their advice is based on, bye, Naomi. Um, Also, it's likely their advice is based on their own career path, which may not be commensurate or useful to anyone else, which is very true. Um, Dutch also says, let's look at learning modalities. Oh, I thought Chris, I thought Naomi was leaving. I realized it was Chris. Sorry. Bye, Chris. Uh, Dutch says, let's look at learning modalities in general. There was no purple math or cool math when we were kids. Learning is open source. That is so true. What is purple math? I never even heard of that. Megan, (laughs) Megan Jacko actually has a compiled list of resources in cybersecurity. And Nikita Gupta just released a database for all the remote internships and full-time jobs. Yes. Right. Yes. Not I just cyber. That. Right. For everything. Yeah. I shared that around, which I think is fantastic. Amazing. Um, Age, I believe, or age says, Renee, spot on. To Chris's point, we share what we know and we interpret someone else's concerns with our mm-hmm. own filters. Dutch says, you may learn something by hiring someone who has a different path from you. Whoa, really, Dutch? Yeah. You know, everyone doesn't seem to understand that. Um, yeah. Dutch says, plus one, Chris, you have to look at GRC and workflow around access to resources. And Lisa says, what a great crew. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. So look, at, so can we, I know we're almost at the top of the hour and some of us have other things to do, unfortunately. I wish we could do this show like as a marathon, right? Like we'd get so much more done um, th- than, but we all have full-time jobs 
and they demand us. And but I want to say that this Dutch said something about hiring someone from a different point of view or what we interpret. How sorry, age said this. Uh, we share what we know and we interpret someone else's concerns with our own filters. If anyone's been in a relationship long term, and you look at your spouse. And you've ever sat across your spouse and your spouse says something and you interpret it as something completely different. And if you think that doesn't translate to jobs and hiring and diversity of thought, you've bumped your head as a baby way too many times. <laughs> you've that bumped is such a great point. Oh, God. You, you make such a great point. And it, it leads me to think about, um, actually, I'm gonna. this is a shameless plug before we leave. Not for me, but from my dear friend who was on here um, before. Her name is Ciara Simonson, and she's having this. So she is a therapist. She came on and she talked to the group about um, imposter syndrome. But one of the things that she's having this workshop this weekend, and one of the things that she's focusing on is relationships. And when she says relationships, she doesn't only talk about couples like husbands and wives and married couples, partners, things like that. Um, it's relationships overall. So it's, you know, employee-employer relationship, you know, peer relationships, friendship relationships, you know, dealing with conflict, like all of these various things that people come up against. So to James's point, when you're thinking about, you know, the translation of all of these things, like what we deal with in our home life translates over to our work life and vice versa. Um, so I am going to post her information. I posted a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to post it again um, because it's just, again, other tools that people can use to think about another person's perspective. Um, you know, as a recruiter, we are always kind of thinking about, okay, what's the leader thinking? What's the, the person who, you know, the person doing the hiring and then the person doing the interviewing, always taking a look at both perspectives. Like, okay, this person is probably has these things going on, or we may know that they have these things going on. We know that this leadership situation, this leader has somebody that he has to fire to bring someone in. You know, there's always such movable parts. And I think people get caught up in their heads just as a whole and not realize that they're not seeing the big, they may think they're seeing the whole picture. None of us really truly do, but they are seeing a much, a much smaller slice of the picture. So anyway, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but <laughs> <laughs> talk about conflict and relationships and all that good stuff no but, posting her information but that's so true though right i mean we all go through different parts in our in our life in our relationships that are um really really challenging and um and if we don't think that translates to the same biases we have at work or when we're trying to interview someone or give someone an opportunity you know they did a survey a while ago and um, I forgot who did it. I think it was like MIT. And the survey interviewed, I think, like 1,500 or 2,000 hiring managers. And it asked them if they had a bad experience with an employee and then to describe that employee. And then if they had any biases towards someone who was similar to that employee. And guess what? Mm. Everyone did. Of course. Did. Of course they did. Everyone did. Mm. Right. Not one person. So we're not talking about race or or gender we're talking even about just experience. a bias of experience yeah this person's always been a sales guy mm. um he lasts nine months in a role right and we see that like so i think i shared that i hired a marketing person for our internal cybersecurity. so i created a role for an internal marketing cybersecurity person and i wanted to hire someone who understood cyber and marketing 
to do internal cybersecurity marketing, run our awareness program, do internal marketing. So fun emails, fun videos, um, fun, like little flyers, uh, things that go on a Slack channel, all kinds of stuff. And people like someone, someone in within our organization goes, what a waste of money. And I'm like, is it though? Cause I guarantee you, I'm going to have better awareness going forward. Yeah, That's culture building yeah, culture. Totally. Yeah. I love that. I mean, stuff. That's what's out there. So, um, age, you have to t- tell us how to pronounce your name. Um, he says regarding internships, be careful what you wish for. HR often defines the program with little input from it cyber. Most are often only line of business related HR processes need to change. So why, why do we blame HR for so much of our problems? Well, because they're like the scapegoat. Yeah, we're the scapegoat. HR always gets blamed. Sorry, HR. Yeah, like they take direction from us. Like uh, they don't run anything. (laughs) Sorry, HR. So so here's the thing, though. This is where cyber is disconnected from the business. What he's describing here is cyber is disconnected from the business. Mm. This is why. This is why I've transitioned everything I talk about in 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 CISO talk now to business because CISOs we don't need to talk about cloud security anymore. We need to talk about how do we align cyber with business? How do we become business enablers? So when you tune into my content going forward, I'm sorry, cheap plug. I apologize. But that's what we're going to be doing is it's all business related. And from that aspect, I think it's really important to to point out to the fact that what he's talking about here is really business. It's it's cyber and IT deficiencies to line up what they're trying to do with the business. And just so... um... So from someone who has run and hired people to run internship programs, I can make you aware that HR does not run the program. HR tells, HR goes to the different leaders and says, well, this has been my experience. We go around to the whole company and says, we're, we're having an internship program. Do you want to participate? If you are going to participate, you know, write up what it is that this intern is going to be doing for six weeks, eight weeks, whatever the, the case is. And it goes from there. Again, HR doesn't just make this stuff up. The leaders have to come. There's no way HR could tell a cybersecurity person what to do or a marketing person or whatever person. So we all have to run. Age, please come back because you've been making some really good comments. A says his eyes are burning with James's shirt. Are my are my comments coming out right? <laughs> is this guy so, or is this cipher text? <laughs> Jen says it means that people have to look inward, discover their weaknesses and prejudices because of their experiences, and motivate themselves to change and be outside of their comfort zone. So so true. Thank you all so much. Please donate. Please donate and come back and see us again soon. Bye, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>